Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. It's great to see you. Oh, my name's Toby, and it's great to be here with you this morning. I did have to rewrite this sermon. It is true. I was full of faith midweek, and on Tuesday night, because of the busyness of this week, I wrote the sermon, prepared it all, and it was all about England being in the World Cup final this afternoon. So it's been a very tough time since Wednesday, um, and I have changed the way the sermon's going to go, um, so please bear with me this morning. I'm going to keep an eye on the clock as well so I don't overrun, but I do have quite a lot to say on this topic, so um, don't worry, I will keep an eye on my watch so we don't um, go too far off in the wrong direction. So today we're continuing with our series on identity theft. We kind of grounded this series in John chapter 10, verse 10, uh, where Jesus says, I've come to give you abundant life, but there is a thief, and the thief looks to seek uh, he seeks to, sorry, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And when this comes to identity, we believe as Christians that there's a thief out there who can lie to us and who can make us believe things that aren't true about our own identity. He can confuse us about who we are. And when you're confused about your identity and when you're confused about who you are, horrific things can happen. Everything can fall to total destruction. This is a really poignant time to talk on the topic of identity. We live at the time of the Instagram generation. Most of us in this room will have a Facebook account, a LinkedIn account, an Instagram account, a Snapchat account. There's hundreds more that my kids at school tell me about I've never even heard of before. Uh, We live in a very social media heavy age. And most of us will take time each week updating our profile in some way. And that's kind of um, the format a lot of our identity takes today. It's an online identity. We choose a picture to put on our our profile that we think represents us and our identity. And if you look at people's pictures on Facebook or on Instagram, they're giving you an idea about what they want you to think of them. You might look at someone's Facebook picture and say, ah, there's a fun guy, seems to be laughing in this picture. Oh, this lady loves to travel. Wow, she certainly likes cats. (laughs) Different choices, different things you put up, but every status you write, everything you share, everything you put online is building a picture of your identity online. And consciously or subconsciously, you are presenting who you are to the world. Today is the day of the World Cup final. And I've seen um, a beautiful thing happen in the last couple of weeks. More people are out there wearing England shirts, which I'm a big fan of. But some people, for them, their nationality is a massive part of their identity. And if they're a massive football fan of a club team as well, they put their identity in that hugely. And if their club wins or loses, it can have a huge impact on their emotions. It could be career. Some people put a lot of their identity into their career. Um, I know Ro talked about this last week and Guy a few weeks back about... Who we are is not what we do, and it's really important to remind ourselves about that. How about you? If I presented you with a blank sheet of paper and a pen, and I asked you the question, who are you, and I handed it over to you, what would you write on that sheet of paper? Would you feel compelled to tell me your name, your age, where you came from, where you were born? what you do for a job, what your parents do. What would you think about writing if I said to you, 
Who are you? What would you write down? This passage we're looking at today is all about a guy called Moses. Um, I'm very happy to be talking about this passage today because it's this conversation that we've just taken a chunk out of is one of the most amazing conversations that's ever taken place, um, and I love talking about it. Um, if you've heard me preach on this passage before, I might go over a couple of old ground, but I think it's important to do that today. If we said to Moses, who are you? Here's your A4 piece of paper. I wonder what Moses would have written on that at that point in his life. He was an Israelite, a son of Abraham, but born in Egypt and born at a time where the Egyptians were forced into slavery. It was also a particularly bad time because Pharaoh had just recently given the order that all Israelite boys should be thrown into the Nile and drowned. And so when he was born, his mum tried to hide him for three months. And at the end of the three months, it became apparent that she couldn't hide him anymore. And I'm sure you know the story. She took him down to the Nile and put him in a basket and left him there. Moments later, Pharaoh's daughter, we don't know how long later really, but Pharaoh's daughter comes and, and finds this baby boy in this basket and pulls him out, and eventually he's brought up in Pharaoh's household. It's Pharaoh's daughter who names him Moses, which means to be drawn from water. He grows up inside of Pharaoh's household as an Israelite, but with this kind of Egyptian upbringing, education, etc., his identity is a little bit mixed up already. Um, if it was modern day, I could imagine him retelling a lot of that to a psychiatrist about being left in a river by his mom and someone else bringing him up, etc. Um, and then we get to this really dark chapter of his life. When he's 40 years old, he goes out one day and he sees an Egyptian slave driver beating an Israelite. And if you watch the the, the cartoon film, Prince of Egypt, he kind of goes over and has this little rough and tumble, like, hey, stop that, that's not right. And the, the Egyptian falls down and dies. Actually, that's not what happens in the Bible. In the Bible, it's straight up murder. It says that Moses looks to the left and to the right, and when he thinks that no one is watching, he kills the man and buries him in the sand. You might know the rest of the story. He gets found out, and he has to flee to Midian into a new area and set up a whole new life. So he is a murderer, and then he runs away, and he's a stranger in a new land, and then he becomes a shepherd. Now, the story we're going to pick up kind of comes from there, and this is where this very, very important conversation takes place. If you have a Bible with you, it would be great to open it to Exodus 3. Now, I know our passage is from Exodus 4, but... I'm going to be paraphrasing a conversation from Exodus 3. And it's very dangerous to paraphrase with the Bible. So it's really, really important that you have your Bible or your phone out maybe in front of you so you can just check that what I'm saying, although it is paraphrased, is a true reflection of the conversation from Exodus 3. So Moses is out on shepherd duty. Now, again, you don't get this from the films, Rabbi. Moses, at this point in time, is 80 years old. He's 80. He's not a young dude like you get in the film, kind of fresh on shepherd duty. He's an old man. And there, at 80 years old, he sees something that catches his attention. Now, in that climate, there would have been bushes on fire all the time. But Moses looks up, and he sees a bush that is on fire, but that is not burning up. So there's no smoke coming off it. The leaves are still green. And he's like, what on earth am I looking at here? And so he has to go a little closer and find out what is causing this flame. And he hears a voice. Moses. Moses. Moses says, 
here I am. This voice says, take off your shoes. Where you are standing is holy ground. And so Moses takes off his shoes, and then he finds out who it is that he's talking to. The voice says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and of Jacob. Wow, mind blown. Now, Moses, at this point, hides his face. He can't bear to look at God. This is going to give us a little bit of an insight there into this identity that we're talking about. God then comes out with these most amazing statements. He says, I have seen my people's misery. I have heard their cries for help. I am concerned about their suffering. I have come down to rescue them. Boom. Beautiful. I have seen, I have heard, I am concerned, I have come down. Now Moses at this point must be punching the air. He's like, yes, God, yes, we need you to come down. It's so bad out there in Egypt. You might not know this, but I grew up there, right? And it is awful, and I've seen the slaves are, are treated really badly. We need you. We need you, God, to come down and rescue us. This is the best news ever. I can't believe that you're coming down, and you're going to rescue the people. Oh, they're going to be so stoked about this. They're going to be absolutely buzzing. This is, the, I mean, this is the best thing I've ever heard. Keep talking, God. Keep talking. That was my paraphrase bit, just so you know. God then comes out with another statement, a real shocking statement. Moses, Moses is, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Oh, oh dear. Moses is like, what? You're sending me? If you look at the words he uses, he says, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Did you not see my A4 sheet that Toby asked me to write? I'm a murderer. I'm an old man. I'm not even proper Israelite. I kind of grew up in, in Egypt as well. I, I killed a man, God. I actually, I actually killed a man. It wasn't even like in the film where it was an accident. I did it on purpose. I buried the dude. I did that. I'm a murderer. And then I ran away. And I've been here for 40 years. I am not the man for this job. Who am I? What is, what is Moses saying there? Who am I? He's saying, I'm not good enough. I am not good enough to do this. We're going to jump around a little bit, but then we, if we look forward to chapter 4, one of his big problems is, that Claire wonderfully read out there, is this problem of eloquence. He says, pardon your servant. I've never been eloquent. Now, the Hebrew here that's used is very interesting. It's been debated a lot. Traditional Jewish belief is that Moses couldn't pronounce certain letters. So basically, he had a speech impediment or a lisp. Now, if you can just picture that for a minute, Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, he's like, ah, it is nearing the end of the day. Are there any more appointments? And they're like, yes, there's this old... Israelite man come to see you. Very well, show him in. And Moses comes in and goes, Hi, I'm Moses. I'm here from God. And can't get his words out. If you could just picture that scene, Moses is not the man for the job. He is going to do a bad job at eloquently explaining the situation. He is not going to be able to explain to Pharaoh why Pharaoh should let his entire unpaid workforce go. It's not going to work. He is not good enough for the job. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. God follows up with. I heard Mike Pilavachi speak about this once, and he said, um, he thought when Moses said, who am I, he was looking for a pep talk. 
Who am I that I should do this, God? I mean, me? <laughs> Who am I? And he wanted God to say, Moses, you're the man. You're the man, Moses. You've got this. I believe in you. And that's not what God does. Moses says, who am I? And God says, I am going with you. I am going with you. That is all Moses should have needed to hear. That God was coming with him. That's all he needed. It shouldn't matter at this point that he is not eloquent. It shouldn't matter that he's old. It shouldn't matter that he's killed someone. God sent him on a mission, and God has said to him, I am going with you. And that really should be enough. Then comes a very cheeky question from Moses. Now, God has been around the Israelites for some time now. He's spoken to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and many in between. And they're all aware of God, but no one knows the name of God at this point. No one knows God's name. And so Moses asks this kind of cheeky question. He's like, all right, God, well, say I go to Pharaoh and I say, blank has sent me, blank is coming with me. God, I could really do with knowing your name so that when I get to Pharaoh, I can say, oh, Pharaoh, insert here, has sent me. And then God tells him his name, which is a real shock because no one knew God's name at this point. And God says, I am, and Moses leans in closer. Yeah. And God's like, I am, and Moses is like, I'm ready. Hit me. And God's like, I am, and Moses is like, right, yeah, I know, I get it. I am Moses, you are. And God's like, no, I am, that's my name. My name is I am, that is my name. In the Hebrew, it is Hayah, which sounds even better. Hayah. Wow. So, tell me your name. I am. Now, this is the most amazing. I often preach about this, so you might have heard me say this whole thing before, and I apologize if you have, but it's good to remember. I am, right, is the verb to be. You could say that God's name is Toby. Just on a thought for another time, but, but I'll leave that over there. Anyway. But be, that is God's name. God's name is I am, it is the verb to be. God just is. What does this mean? This means so, so much in that in itself, but it means that God has got no beginning and he has no end. He just is. God is be, he just is. Everything comes from God. Everything is because. Everything is caused by God. We are all here because of God. Everything that has ever happened has happened because of God, because God is the verb to be. He is I am. If God is I am and he sends you on a mission, the mission is going to go great, especially when I am says, I am coming with you. Hold that thought for a minute. Moses then is like, but my speech impediment. And God's like, come on, man. And he actually says that God's anger burns against him. Are you not listening to this? I am is sending you. I am is coming with you. I'm coming with you. If you picture yourself, and this is not an insult towards um, somebody cross roundabout, but imagine it's 11 o'clock at night on a Friday, and you've got to go through the, the cutting underneath Sunbury Cross, and it's a bit tight, and you look down there, and there's four lads on BMXs with their hoods up, they're smoking something, you see maybe the, the, the flash of a machete blade, you would probably at that point go, 
not walking down there. I'm going to take my chances across the road and kind of walk back. But if you had with you Mike Tyson, Colin McGregor, the Incredible Hulk, Rocky, Mr. T, um, John, you'd be like, hey, do you know what, guys? Let's walk down here, man. Definitely. I'm not scared of anything. Do you know what I mean? You would just walk straight on down because you would know who was going with you was more powerful than what you were up against. And that is what Moses has here. What about you? Is there a project that you have delayed? Is there a dream that you have buried? Is there a plan that you have put to the side because you think, I am not good enough, or I am not talented enough to do that? Because if there is, it might be that today is a day that you bring that back to life. It might be that potentially you are in a similar position here to Moses and God has put something on your heart, giving you some mission, some plan, some project that he is just waiting for you to undertake and you just haven't done it because you feel insignificant or, un- or unprepared or unable. But God says to you, I am is coming with you. He will go with you. He will go before you. He is more powerful than anything you could possibly come up against. Uh, Moses, in the, the bit there, he talks about his speech impediment, and God says, well, who, who is it that makes humans see and hear and speak? Is it not me? Like, Moses, don't worry about that. That's a detail. I just need you to just walk in this direction. I'm telling you to walk in, and I'm going to teach you as we go, and it's going to work out all right. Brother Andrew's an awesome guy. And Brother Andrew, if you haven't heard of him before, he's done a lot of missionary work in dangerous places. So at one point, he smuggled a lot of Bibles into Russia. And I saw him speak about this live once, and the guy interviewing him said, how did you know you were called to go to Russia? And he said, I wasn't called to go to Russia. I saw a need, and I responded to it. I saw a need, and I responded to it. And that is often the way that God does call people. He might have shown you something in the news or an issue locally or worldwide that has upset you so much that you think, well, something needs to be done about that. And that might be the mission that God is calling you to go on. It's an identity problem. The topic today was, I'm not good enough. And the truth is, I'm not good enough. And Moses isn't good enough. And none of you are good enough. However, that doesn't matter because God promises that he will come with us and he will teach us as we go. Now, I'm just going to, Ron, I'm going to put you on the spot. How, how much time have I got left, Ron? Do you want me to, sorry, Ron. <laughs> got five, five minutes? Okay, right. <clears throat> now, there's a huge mistake that a lot of us make with God that affects our identity in a big way, and I'm going to talk about this. It's very personal to me, and I'm just going to come down a little bit and just talk to you about this now. You might not uh, relate to this at all, but one huge mistake I made when I became a Christian was I took the idea of what my dad was like, and then I kind of exaggerated that to be who God is. Does that make sense? So when I found out that there was this God in heaven who believed in me and he was my father, I assumed characteristics of him that I only knew from my dad. Do you follow that? Now, this is a real big mistake, and when it comes to our identity... This is a real key error to make. Now, my dad, I love my dad so much, and he's in a much better place now than he used to be. But growing up, my dad was very, very distant. Um, 
very hard to please, very easily angered. My dad didn't tell me he was proud of me until I was 21 years old. And I, got, I graduated from university, and I said to my dad, after the celebration, I was kind of waiting for these words, I'm proud of you, and they just never came. So I had to say to my dad, hey, dad, do you know you've um, never said you're proud of me? And he said, all right, fine, I'm proud of you. Like, what do you want? And I just remember thinking, like, it just, I mean, it, it, it broke my heart. And then I became a Christian, and that is what I thought God was like. I understood that I was a child of God. I've been adopted into his family. I knew that God loved me because he had to love me, but I didn't think he liked me very much. I, uh, I felt like there's HQ up there, Angel HQ, and the angels are like reporting to God what happened that day. And they're like, hey, we just found out uh, Rowena's become a Christian. And God's like, yeah, wicked, that's great. Oh, yeah, and Norman as well. Oh, yeah, Norman's become a Christian, that's amazing. Who else? Oh, Toby Wood's become a Christian. And God's like, oh, what? (laughs) Well, where are we going to put him? (laughs) I had that feeling. I carried that for a long time as a Christian, a long time. And so my identity as a child of God was actually very much tainted. And I, I looked to myself in a very, very dark way. In terms of that title of this topic, I am not good enough, that is exactly how I felt. I was a smoker and a Christian for a long time. And through counseling, I realized the reason I kept on smoking for years as a Christian was because I thought that people would look at me as a Christian and assume I was a good person. And I wanted to smoke. I didn't, it took me a long time to get to this through subconsciousness. I wanted to smoke because I wanted to give everyone a red flag straight away and say, this guy's no good. You know, don't get close to this guy. This guy's going to hurt you. This guy's going to let you down. This guy is not perfect. This guy's a sinner. This guy can't be trusted. There's nothing good about this guy. Now, through prayer, reading the Bible, meeting my wife, having counseling, I'm in a place today where I can say, I'm a child of God. God loves me so much. And I just felt that was quite a key topic I want to end on today. That was Moses' problem. You know, he, he, he heard who God was. He knew he was a child of Abraham, but he didn't get it. He didn't understand that relational part. Bro, can I ask you to come up and... So with regard to moving on from here, I think it'd be good to pray about a few things. I think if there is an adventure that God wants you to go on, that you've buried somewhere in the back of your mind, I don't know if there's some people here who feel like that, that there's... God's waiting for you to start something, but you felt like you weren't good enough to start it. I think it'd be good to pray with you today. And also, if you've done what I did for so long and kind of put false characteristics on God that aren't his characteristics, it'd be really great to pray for you too. For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviourssunbury.org.uk.